Welcome to the Rise Inside podcast, hosted by Justin Starbird and powered by Rise Robotics. Listen as host Justin talks to experts from the Rise team about topics relating to mechanical engineering, industrial design, commercialization, and innovation. True collaborations work when ideas are integrated at inception to solve significant problems. Rise Inside brings together how the team continues to work with great folks to commercialize ideas. You're listening to the Rise Inside podcast. Here's your host, Justin Starbert. Welcome back to the Rise Inside podcast. My name is Justin Starbert, and I have a new guest, exciting. I get to welcome Reed Sturdivant, uh, general partner of The Engine, to the show today. Reed, hey, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks, Justin. Great to be here. Great to have you. Um, so many, uh, you know, different ways that I've heard about you, you know, know about the engine, you know, the rise story, but it's just really cool to, to finally meet you. Great. Great. Uh, Reed, you know, I uh, am excited to do this show with you today because, uh, of course, Aaron speaks very highly of you, as as do all of uh, the founders. But, uh, you know, want to know a little bit about you know, what the engine is, what the engine does, and, and um, you know, learn more about you. Sure, sure. So the engine is a, uh, a venture capital firm put into business about uh, five and a half years ago by MIT. So we've been given a mission to support and accelerate the development of companies that will make the world a better place through science and technology. So we have a a venture a set of venture funds. We write checks for very early stage companies. We also run specialized co-working space. So next week we're moving into a, a facility in Cambridge, Mass, that has room for about eight hundred or a thousand people, uh, and has shared not only desks but has biosafety labs, chem labs, machine shop, uh, electronics and prototyping facilities. So so anything that can speed up the development and deployment of technologies that in some way would make the world a better place. That's our, that's our mission. That certainly goes a little bit further than like a WeWork space. Yep. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, what is your role as a, as general partner there? What does that mean? As a general partner, I um, really have a few parts to my job. One is to meet with interesting companies and founders uh, as we try to find investments to make. Uh, once we make investments, I'm involved with uh, helping the companies in various ways, whether it's just advice or, or governance as, as a member of the board of directors. Uh, the general advice, for instance, this morning, I was on the phone with a, the founder of a, of a semiconductor company, and he's going through um, uh, thinking about how to price the chips. He's got a, a big customer and that is, is he'd been working with for about a year. They're working with a semiconductor foundry and, and it looks like um, before the end of the year, he'll have production samples of, of his chips coming out. And now he's now he's like, okay, how do I charge for this? I can't really ask my customer how much they're, they're willing to pay. So it's, it's a whole bunch of back and forth advice uh, with, with first time founders often. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I know you had a lot of back and forth with our team. You know, how did you, you know, uh, get get to know Rise, and how did how did we, you know, become partners? Sure, it's it's actually a, a long and and uh, winding road. Uh, <laughs> I with uh, my colleague Katie Ray, uh, she and I were running the Boston TechStars program, yeah. um, honestly, ten years ago, uh, back in in the in. Uh, 
the fall of 2012. And the RISE team was part of that uh, cohort, as you call it, for an accelerated program. At the time, they were called Urban Hero. Mm-hmm. And when they did their their big onstage demo at the House of Blues in Boston, um, they they were showing off a backpack sized portable trampoline. So they had reinvented the the spring, uh, um, and it's a, a really fascinating technology using cords and composites in, in a stack that would make a very, very compact, powerful spring. Um, and they, they had plans for all kinds of applications of that. So we met them 10 years ago, um, really loved Aaron, Blake, Tomas, they, the, the core team at that time, which has expanded quite a bit. Uh, and now they came back a few years ago to the engine and said, hey, we've really locked into this, this very particular linear actuator and a set of ideas for highly efficient um, highly efficient linear actuators for heavy equipment and mm-hmm. it could be really strong um, uh, component of the electrification of mobile equipment and that was a long way from an, a backpack size trampoline yeah uh, but it was really really it fit quite well into a set of investments that we've been making around um the uh, electrification of, of different industries. What was it like to see that transformation? I mean, yeah, 10 years is a long time, but really 10 years isn't a long time. And the di- the time from when you met them and they did the demonstration to when you saw them in your new role, you know, what, what was that like? Like, you know, almost reintroducing yourself to them. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The, it's a completely different team and company in, in the, in the level of professionalization. So when I visit the RISE facility today and you look around not only at the, the level of um, engineering that goes into their, their product set, but the level of, of professionalization in terms of testing, the, the duty cycles that they're putting their, their cylinders through, the, their ability to, to work with outside vendors for instance, um, external manufacturing rather than hand assembling everything. It's, it, they're not working on prototypes anymore. These are things that are, are installed on trucks that are driving around. And, yeah. and then the larger cylinder, uh, um, watching the, the capabilities of that and where it could be applied. It's, they've grown from a set of recent college grads with incredibly sharp minds and ideas into, okay, how do we run a business that's, putting things into the market that are going to have to have a long life cycle and be reliable. That must be one of the most rewarding parts of your role when you can say, Hey, I was there when, and then look at them now. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is really amazing. It's, it's, uh, it's really, it's a great satisfaction to see how far people come in their career. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, going back a little bit, um, you know, in addition to Rise being in this, you know, tough tech space for, you know, and meeting the requirements of of the engine, you know, you're you're always looking at investments into electrification, decarbonization. Um, how do those two elements fit into tough tech? Because sometimes it feels like an oxymoron. I mean, I know personally now, getting to know Rise and being a part of this team, that it's possible. But from where you sit. I mean, you know, venturing into this five and a half years ago, I mean, that, that's a pretty bold mission. And, you know, how do you continue to carry it out every day? Yeah, it's, it's 
been in, uh, to to get the engine up and running as a firm, we made a decision early on that we would be pretty open to a variety of different investment opportunities. So we thought about, should we have a, a very systematic thesis-driven approach? Hey, these are the UN 17 Sustainable Development Goals. What are the technologies that could fit into each of those? Let's let's have an investment in, in, in each box. And, and we decided that we really needed to be more opportunistic and, and be open to the, the people aspect. So great founders who really were attached in a very authentic way to the outcome of what they were working on and, and let them bring the passion and mission. Uh, and as long as it fit into, we, we look at climate um, we look at human health and wellness, and we look at advanced infrastructure, sort of technical platforms that support a bunch of industries. As long as it fit into one of our overall themes, and when the company succeeded at scale, it would make the world a better place. Um, we were we were open to having conversation. So, in climate, we have a number of investments that are around energy generation, so deep mm-hmm. geothermal, fusion power. Uh, we have a number of, of investments that are around uh, energy storage. So large scale grid connected batteries. Um, we have, um, and it, it, they, these things all kind of fit next to each other. We have, we learned about the grid uh, from investing in form energy for, for electric storage. We met a team at a company called Veer that's working on superconducting uh, power lines. Uh, for transmission. So understanding the the issues around the grid around storage that made us able to understand the the transmission aspects. Uh, We invested into a a set of companies related to decarbonization directly. So Boston Metal, which is working on a a new process for smelting uh, ore into metal that Mm -hmm. could lead to green steel. Uh, carbon neutral steel production. Um, we met a, a, a woman, Leah Ellis, out of MIT, who had been doing research on a on a, a new electrochemical way to to create uh, lime for that could lead to to clean cement production. So it's so okay. really very 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 large kind of industrial processes, uh, right. and then we we started looking at EVs and mobility uh, across a range of, of uh, applications, even a software company called the routing company for, for shared rides, but, but an algorithm that, that really packs more people into each vehicle without making the, the, the experience worse. You know, right. you, you, you don't have to wait longer to be picked up, you know, the, minimize the, the, how much longer the ride will be because you're dropping other people off first. Um, we even invested into, now that we started looking at mobility, we invested into a company called Lilac Solutions, which has a, a more efficient way to extract lithium. Okay. Um, so it's very so a, a really broad range. And then Rise with their energy efficient cylinders really fits into the whole, um, uh, we had started working with an with a autonomous trucking company that was working in ports mm-hmm. uh, and distribution centers. And we started understanding that materials handling with electrification was incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the use of the, the, the fact that uh, 
hydraulic cylinders are very energy inefficient coupled with the fact that you can't you can't really do regenerative um recover the energy when you're let's say you're you're doing container handling and you're you're moving a container down to the ground you should be able to recover the energy um but you but you you really that's a handicap for hydraulics um so for rise rise fit right into all of the stuff that we'd learned about electrification mobility decarbonization yeah um and it and it was it was they they were a completely different company than when we knew them <laughs> 10 years ago yeah absolutely i so i don't i'm not sure i'm going to ask this properly but you've built a community in each of these segments uh, or at least it seems as though you're building out a community what, was that your initial you know thought as you went into this or as you kind of make investments and inroads with these different spaces you're like hey we can make that you know this fits in with what we've already started or if you squint this could fit and then you find a missing piece later that kind of bridges those gaps was that initially a thought or is that uh, a byproduct of of making uh, you know, good decisions and, and really, you know, finding wonderful founders. It's, that's a, that's a really interesting, um, interesting question. Honestly, I think it's, it's a combination. Um, we, we absolutely at, at the very beginning felt like, Hey, the engine is, is just one firm. How, how much of a dent can we make in, in, in all of the problems that are, that are, that are out there? We, we need to try to, create encourage the ecosystem to pull you know pull on this together and mm-hmm. so we we designed our our um programs that we run the space that the facilities that we're creating um intentionally to to try to pull people together like-minded people together um so we we had that uh, as a kind of one leg of the stool as we started working and then it I do believe, just as you said, as we meet these founders, we we learn from them, mm-hmm. and that in in some way helps us have a prepared mind, so to speak, when we meet the next set of founders. Sure. And that is a um, um, so learning about the grid, as I mentioned, around storage, makes us more able to understand. Oh, and and transmission is a real problem as well. Um, mm-hmm. Um, the companies learn from each other in, in the in odd ways. So, um, as an example, Form Energy, the the storage company, developed a whole set of software for modeling. How would your system, if you're a power generation company or a utility operating a grid, how would things change if you added storage? And 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 they they got customers to get potential customers to give them historical data mm-hmm. about demand and transmission and generation, uh, different kind of uh, loads and and sources of power, and then they could do show them all these what if scenarios. That company was doing a demonstration at a, at a it actually was, a, it was a fun day. We had Bill Gates come to the office with Ernie Muniz, who used to be um, energy secretary, energy secretary. And, and he, they were doing demo of the software and one of the, our other uh, companies that we work with via separation, completely different industry. Mm-hmm. They do um, filtration. So industrial separation <laughs> instead of evaporation or distillation, but by using memories from filtration. Okay. And afterwards they, realized oh we should do a similar type of modeling tool because we're going to people who run let's say a, a paper 
mill. And we're trying to convince them that instead of using these giant evaporators, you should use some of our membrane separation and, and it would save you time and money and, and increase the throughput. But we can't, we can say that, but if we could show them and ask them for their production data, run it through this modeling tool, we could show them uh, um, and, and, and run these what if scenarios. So completely different than a grid connected storage company, you know, it's a right. separation company, but, but they, they have a lot in common um, to, to, uh, to help potential customers understand the benefits of, of a new approach. How do you share that? Like, so in that example, you know, where of course it's a high profile event if Bill Gates is there, but you know, how do you share those sorts of successes or ideas or, you know, give the opportunity to uh, these two companies that are different, you know, uh, industry segments, the opportunity to actually get together like that. How, how does that type of information sharing happen? Yeah, it's, it's, um, I think of it as kind of concentric circles. So within the engine, with the portfolio companies, we've, I think we just made our 45th investment. We have um, a, a purely internal events. So we have an annual CEO offsite where we organize different um, kind of sharing sessions, best practices and, and storytelling sessions. Uh, we have um, different small CEO circles. So six CEOs of, of young companies, once a month we get together and, and they share um, with each other what's going on within their their, their current issues. Um, and then the next circle is is external. So, so we run a annual, in October, we run a two-day um, conference that we've run for a number of years where we have when we did it virtually, we could have about 900 attendees in, in person. We're going to go back in person this year is about 400 attendees. And we have case studies and, and sharing, um, and it's open to a broader audience, mm -hmm. um, but all around tough tech, both investing, but also building. How do you scale your company and what are the issues that you you run across as, as you go from bench scale science to prototype and proof of concept to joint development with a customer to commercial agreements kind of the, it, it, there's the issues that you face constantly change and and how can you learn from the people who are a few years ahead of you yeah. um, and then what we're trying to do with our new space at least in the boston area is um create a series of of programs and and get togethers that could be we could host, but other people could run them. So that's a, a, even a third ring or third circle where the engine doesn't have to be the one that's putting together all of this information sharing. We we can have a a, a venue and kind of a framework that other people um, could could volunteer to to, to co organize because I think that could could scale the community even even bigger. Do you have co working spaces in other cities outside of Boston as well? You know we we have not we've. We um, at the at our board of directors level, we talk about that every so often, and have consciously made a decision, strategic decision, for the time being at least, that the most important thing is is for the engine to show that our system can work and can help companies get to global scale, you know, mm -hmm. sort of in, in irrefutable success, and so we feel that we can't really say that we haven't figured out yet um, how to really, what are the required elements to make 
these companies able to be successful. When we started, we were like, okay, great. We can write a check at the seed stage, but is there anybody who's going to write a check at the series A, B or, or project finance? We, we don't know um, because yeah. at the time, clean tech and, and other kind of industrial investments were, were, were not really the, you know, they'd fallen out of favor for a lot of venture, uh, yeah. venture capital firms. Um, because of climate, uh, they, they've really a lot of other uh, a, a lot of capital has shifted towards uh, back towards um, kind of tough tech or deep tech. Sure. Uh, has the current state of the economy and the supply chain issues through COVID has that all enhanced or detracted from investment in the space, or are you running into more competition to participate at seed rounds or or beyond? You know, it's interesting. It's case by case. Um, the pandemic really hit certain industries um, hard. Not luckily for the engine, we weren't involved in investing in the kind of retail or, or kind of um, on the ground commerce or travel or entertainment. That some of the industries that were really hit hard. Um, the on the health side, a number of the companies that we work with, it actually helped because they were working on things like. Um, public health through tracking um, sewage. Uh, one company, Biobot, was doing sewage sampling for mapping opioid use at a neighborhood okay. level. Yeah. Uh, and then they realized they could track at a city scale, um, like in Boston, testing Deer Island. And, and you can keep an eye on how 2 million people, um, how COVID is, is increasing or decreasing across 2 million people. Um, they they're, they really their business grew dramatically during the pandemic. The supply chain issues really did hurt slow down some of the ability to you know uh, semiconductor shortages for yeah. for some of the companies that have electromechanical uh, parts of their design. Um, the the biggest recent U.S. news is the Inflation Reduction Act. Mm -hmm. And for some of the companies that we, we just put together a, a detailed breakdown of all the different components of that and, and how they, for each of the companies, our portfolio, how they, which ones could have a direct economic uh, impact. Um, for Rise, for instance, there's $600 million of, of 100% uh, rebate for communities that buy electrical heavy equipment like dump trucks and and, and garbage trucks that are electric mm -hmm. and that is kind of like it makes it for some communities it's it's free money for an electric bus or an electric you know garbage truck so that's like firing a starting gun for a race to say okay yeah. who's who's ready to take that 600 million dollars because it's it really changes changes the landscape um, yeah that's wild. It, where do you see, you know, um, issues coming up in tough tech now? Uh, or, you know, where do you see areas of opportunity? Yeah, it's a, the, the, um, there have been a number of decarbonization efforts where they rely on a, a carbon tax or, or volunteer large corporations are often making a commitment to reduce their carbon footprint and are willing to pay a green premium for whether it's for electricity or, or materials like cement and steel um, or, or even something really uneconomic on its own, like direct air carbon capture. Um, the 
policies like um, the IRA, um, the Inflation Reduction Act, really can accelerate the development of some of these technologies, but but they have to get to the point where they kind of stand on their own legs. And so the the economic um, the economics at scale of carbon capture is one area um, that will take some time for that to to kind of become purely economic on its own. We definitely see a lot of interest in um, different forms of of energy storage. So the hydrogen economy using um, hydrogen or ammonia or even aluminum as as a... um, energy store for for moving it's kind of like converting renewable electricity into something that you can transport uh, uh into hydrogen or ammonia or um um aluminum is, is kind of the odd one um that's that's something that we're always looking at people that are doing new kinds of electrolyzers for splitting water into hydrogen and oxygen using electricity um um, new approaches. We have a company in Houston that we work with Syzygy that's working on, on hydrogen production um, mm-hmm. uh, from electricity. Um, so the, the hydrogen economy, but in a broader sense of, of kind of energy storage and transportation is, is definitely an area that, that, that we're keeping an eye on. Um, completely unrelated where there are uh, we believe that there are some real opportunities in bio manufacturing, okay. um, which perhaps could be used for things like um, carbon neutral jet fuel. Mm. Um, and and in, a, in its own way, at a, at a platform level, improvements such as some of the base technologies around bio manufacturing um, will have a lot of downstream positive um, sure. uh, benefits. That's really exciting. And, you know, you must see this as you get into these different networks and you start investing in one. Now you're seeing opportunities that extend beyond. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like biomanufacturing, we invested in one company that's working on protein production, uh, another completely different application, but similar technology is working on, um, um, imagine that you could grow wood uh with fermentation um okay. so, you know paper pulp you know without having to plant trees wait 20 years cut them down shred them you know truck yeah. them around um so so we're we but again it always comes back down to the founder and the entrepreneurial uh spirit yeah. that they bring so you know our listeners are going to re- listen to this they're listening as as it relates to to rise and hearing kind of your story and how um you know, we all came together here, but uh, there's a number of, you know, folks that are listening to that may want uh, the engine's help. How, how do you reach out to people individually or do they come to you and say, Hey, we have this, you know, crazy climate idea or, you know, way that we want to, you know, change the world. And then, then you consider that. How do you, how do you go about, you know, um, looking at potential investments and, you know, potential founders uh, or founders of companies that could potentially fit in your portfolio? Sure. We, we definitely have, uh, we do both. We do outreach and, and try to build kind of have strong relationships with uh, research universities, large corporations, kind of understand 
what's being worked on in academia and kind of what are the strategic needs of large customers. So, so we kind of maintain those types of relationships as well as we can. We we also have a, a, a pretty welcoming front door. Um, people can reach out to us um, in terms of investment. We tend to focus on Boston or New England area, very early stage, seed stage. That's kind of our, our sweet spot, but we're open. We have some investments around the country and, and we, we're, we've looked at a few in Europe. We haven't made any investments yet so far outside the US. Uh, but people can reach out to us. Uh, we have a whole team of of associates and partners who are always taking, looking over material, taking short meetings. Um, so yeah, we we the more the merrier. <laughs> well, that is exciting. I mean, the future of investing in Toughneck looks really bright. So uh, this is really cool to hear. Yep, thank you. It's 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 a it's a ton of fun to work in this area. Um, because we are mission focused, the people that we meet all are, are trying to solve real problems and, and help yeah. companies solve their problems and challenges. So uh, it's, it's, it's really satisfying to, to be part of that environment. I mean, no doubt. Well, it's exciting just to hear it. So thank you for, for joining me today, Reed Servant, general partner at The Engine. I really appreciate your time this morning. Yep, Justin, I'm happy to be here. You've been listening to the latest episode of the Rise Inside podcast. On behalf of Reed Sturvent, uh, general partner at The Engine, my name is Justin Starbird. Till next time. You've been listening to the Rise Inside podcast, presented by Rise Robotics. On behalf of our guest today and host Justin Starbird, thank you for listening. Please share your feedback on our LinkedIn page 